Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. This is episode 23, the second midweek episode. And I have to tell you, I'm considering maybe going to once a week, an hour long. (laughs) This takes a lot of work to do twice a week. But I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing until I can't do it anymore. How's that? And let me tell you right now, we have got a media frenzy over the Trump indictment. And it has reached a fevered pitch. Uh, I'm reminded, actually, of 2016 election, where all the cable news station gave Trump nonstop coverage for everything he did. They tried to do it in a negative way, but nonetheless, it was free advertising for Trump. And any advertising is considered good advertising for Trump because he also he knows how to spin it uh, in a good way to be positive and to rile up his base and his supporters. Once again, it's obvious Donald Trump is holding that laser pointer and the media are all a bunch of cats. For those of you who don't know how everything went on Monday and Tuesday, let me give you a recap. All right, for those of you watching, uh, Donald Trump has left Mar-a-Lago and has gotten into the SUV in the motorcade and is heading over to the airport. For those of you who still are with us, Donald Trump is in the fourth vehicle uh, in that motorcade going across the bridge over to the airport where his airplane is waiting to take off. Donald Trump is now ascending the staircase into the Trump plane where he will fly out of this airport and off to New York for his indictment. The plane is now taking off out of the airport in Florida and is headed towards New York. Stay tuned for when the airplane gets closer to New York and we'll keep you posted. Three or four hours later, uh, the Trump plane is circling the pattern around the uh, New York LaGuardia or JFK airport. I can't remember which one it was. But they, uh, the, the Trump plane is now coming in for a landing. Uh, the Trump plane has touched down. You can see the smoke coming off the wheels as they hit the ground in the uh, runway. Uh, the Trump plane is taxiing across the tarmac, uh, going to a special area where their Secret Service and other motorcade in New York is waiting for him. We're still waiting for Trump to come down these stairs. Oh, there's Trump. Trump is coming down the staircase from the Trump plane. And he's getting into, oh, it looks like the fifth truck in the motorcade in this time in New York. The uh, FDR freeway has been blocked off for the Trump motorcade. And he is traveling down the FDR at a high rate of speed, on his way to southern Manhattan court. Uh, Trump is now arriving at the southern Manhattan court, and 
He is going to, oh, there he is. He's getting out of the motorcade now. Trump is walking across the sidewalk. He's waving to his fans. Oh, he waved a second time. And now he's going up to, I believe it's the seventh floor. Isn't that right? Where he could be, he's going to be processed. Uh, uh, is that, is there, do I have confirmation on that? Yes. Okay. Donald Trump is going up to the seventh floor to be processed where he'll be fingerprinted. And unfortunately, we won't get the mugshot that we were all hoping for, but he then is going to be fingerprinted and the mugshot, but we won't see it publicly. Unfortunately, we really did want to see that mugshot, but unfortunately, the Secret Service has nixed that and the picture of Donald Trump in handcuffs, which we all really, really wanted to see, but we're not going to get the picture of Donald Trump in handcuffs or the mugshot that we were all really hoping to get. And we're also not going to get the perp walk. Uh, but we kind of did because Donald Trump walked across the sidewalk from his motorcade into the courthouse. And we do have a couple of pictures of Donald Trump speaking to his defense counsel while he's sitting there at the table. And, and as far as we know, the, um, the judge's quarters that he's going to go to, the courtroom he is going to be asked to go to to plead guilty or not guilty, I believe is up on the 15th floor. Is that correct? Yes, I believe that is correct. <laughs> this is literally <laughs> what has happened for <laughs> the Monday and Tuesday. It has been nonstop. And it has just made me crack up because it is exactly what Donald Trump wants. Step by step, move by move, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute coverage of everything he does. Now, I understand that the media really needs to do this for their own benefit, too, because during the 2015-2016 part of the campaign, they got some of their highest ratings that they've ever gotten because it was Trump all the time. 24-7, nonstop coverage of Trump. As a matter of fact, a lot of the other candidates at the time, I bet, felt quite cheated because I think they said it was it came out to be about almost a billion dollars in free advertising that Donald Trump got from all of the news stations. And in the mornings when I make my green drink, I sit and watch what's called News Mix. And that is has all the different stations on it. It has CNN, Fox, MSNBC, and BBC, and then two weather stations. And you can move the frame around to hear the audio on these. And all four of the news stations, uh, including BBC, was non-stop coverage of Donald Trump's every single move. But it is true, Donald Trump has now been indicted. But you should hear all of the pundits on CNN and MSNBC talking about how thin these charges really are. You know the charges are weak when Donald Trump gets uh, unlikely allies. I mean, there's Jeb Bush, there's Mitt Romney, 
There's uh, many panelists on MSNBC and CNN. Uh, And listen to what Bill Barr said about these charges. I agree with uh, most of what you said, Larry. Uh, Obviously, we don't have the indictment, so there's a little bit of speculation involved. But based on the news reports, if they're accurate, uh, this is an abomination. It's the epitome of the abuse of prosecutorial power uh, to bring a case that would not be abroad against anyone else. Uh, They are going after the man, not a crime. Mm. And the legal theory, uh, frankly, is pathetically weak. The case is held together by, you know, chicken wire and and, uh, uh, paper clips and rubber bands. It's it's a lousy case. uh, And uh, it's it's a shame. Uh, It's a shameful episode in our history where this local prosecutor is trying to affect the political process by bringing this... Case. Bill Barr is one of many that have been trained in law, and they're all pretty much saying unanimously the same thing. This is a pathetically weak case, and this looks more and more like a political prosecution rather than based on actual crimes. Now, what is really sad about this, this is going to set a precedent uh, from this point on, and this is going to divide our country even more. This opens up a new tit-for-tat on political prosecutions. What politically motivated DA around the country, conservative or liberal, won't now follow the example set by Alvin Bragg? And up until this point, Only in banana republics and third world countries and communist countries would you have people going after their enemies to prevent having to run against them. That's all that this is. This is the Democrats trying to embroil Donald Trump in so many prosecutions that they think if they can get him fighting all of these legal battles all at the same time, he won't be able to go to, you know, do as many rallies as he normally does. And he won't be able to go to as many news interviews as he normally does. And he won't be able to campaign as effectively as he has before. The funny thing is, Alvin Bragg wants you to believe that Donald Trump falsified these New York business records to conceal his quote-unquote affair with Stormy Daniels so it wouldn't hurt his 2016 election chances. Well, guess what? He uh, was elected. And uh, if there was a payment, I guess there, there is one story of maybe he may have repaid Michael Cohn, but that was after he won the election. So that wasn't during the campaign in order to prevent this story from coming forward. And everybody knows about the Stormy Daniels coming forward and saying there was an affair. And honestly, I don't think any of Trump's supporters cared. Just like None of Bill Clinton's supporters back in the 90s cared that he slept with Monica Lewinsky in 
the White House. Here's something very interesting to consider. 76% of Americans think this indictment against Trump is political. However, 60% of those polled think it was the right thing to do anyway. And 30% of a CNN poll said voters think that there was really no crime committed, but they don't care. All they want is for Trump to be arrested. Isn't that interesting? People know it's a political hit job. They know that it's most likely not based on any facts and that there really was no crime committed, but they don't care. All they want is to get Trump. So now in the hearing, the judge said that he wanted to move this along expeditiously. And then he set the next court date for December 4th. Okay, so it's now April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. So expeditiously means nine months from now. I don't, I think me and the judge have two very different ideas of what expeditiously means. Also, this judge is requiring Trump to be at the December 4th hearing when only his lawyers are really required to be there because it's basically about the process that's going to go forward from here and setting all of those wheels in motion. But nope, this judge is requiring Donald Trump to fly all the way back from Mar-a-Lago back to New York City and appear in person in the lower Manhattan courthouse for the next part of this process moving forward. Incidentally, it is estimated by many that... This whole fiasco of getting Trump from Mar-a-Lago with his Secret Service protection on his plane, flying into a New York airport, motorcading all the way from his Trump Tower down to the lower Manhattan courthouse, cost the city of New York City $200 million. And they want to do it all over again on December 4th. And let me see uh, if, if uh, my calendar is correct. That's pretty much going to be right in the middle of the 2024 campaign. Gosh, I wonder why they scheduled it then. Also, it's going to be during the holiday season in New York City, which is going to make it even more of a nightmare than it was on Monday and Tuesday of this week, and probably will cost the city of New York even more. But it's all worth it because we're going to get Trump. So they're willing to spend $200 million every time he has to fly into the city for a alleged payment to Stormy Daniels of $130,000. And 
almost every expert will tell you in unison, and that is expect except for the experts on the View, um, <laughs> called their uh, whole panel of idiots. They, the experts, are saying that there's almost no chance Donald Trump will face any jail time. It'll probably be probation and a fine if he's found guilty. And that is a big if, because most experts are thinking this is probably going to be thrown out of court or that Trump will be acquitted. Because like I said in my last podcast, the statute of limitations is only two years on these crimes. And it has been seven years since they were supposedly committed, since Michael Cohn paid Stormy Daniels the $130,000. So how is this all justifiable? Oh, I know. (laughs) It's justifiable by the spread of the infection TDS that has happened nationwide. Oh, and one other thing. Almost every expert also agrees in unison that there is probably 0% chance of these charges holding up in an appeal. So after the appeal, these charges will be dropped. But it doesn't matter, especially to Alvin Bragg. Like I said in the last podcast, this is Alvin Bragg's 15 minutes in the spotlight. And it's going to be longer than that because this is going to be drug on for a very long time. Alvin Bragg will go down in history as the only prosecutor, or I should say the first. I think there's probably going to be other prosecutors that are going to try and follow suit. Like I said, the left hopes to embroil Trump in nonstop legal battles while he's running for re-election in 2024. But Alvin Bragg will go down as the first prosecutor in U.S. history to indict a former president of the United States. Bravo, Alvin Bragg. I hope your infamy is worth it, because I promise you this is going to hurt your reputation long term. One thing I want to ask any uh, liberals or Democratic friends of mine that may be listening to this podcast, do you know anyone else that could have endured seven years of nonstop attacks, not only from the media, from social media, from corporate America, from the sports franchises, from every possible angle that could attack Trump did and has nonstop for seven years. It's incredible what all he was able to accomplish during those seven years or during especially the four years he was in office. And I hear so many people say, what did he accomplish? He accomplished a ton of things that you wouldn't consider accomplishments because they go against your ideology. That doesn't make them less of accomplishments. That just means they were accomplished in a way that you didn't agree with. 
or that those accomplishments were not considered accomplishments by you because you didn't agree with those accomplishments, like the tax cuts. All right, that's one thing, like making the United States not only energy independent, but energy dominant. We were actually selling energy to other countries. And let me ask you this. If Donald Trump would have won again in 2020, and I know I asked you this before, but I'm going to ask it again. And I want you to respond. I really do. I, I would love some responses. If Donald Trump had won in 2020 and the U.S. was energy dominant and we know Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, uh, Kim Jong-un all didn't attack uh, Ukraine or uh, make motions like they were, were going to attack um, Taiwan or uh, didn't launch any missiles, Kim Jong-un, and now he's launching missiles and testing nuclear sites again, and China is making overtures and threats against Taiwan and getting really mad when the Speaker of the House meets with the President of Taiwan in Los Angeles, and Vladimir Putin has leveled cities in Ukraine to the ground and over 150,000 Russian soldiers have died. Do you think any of this would have happened under Trump? I don't think so. But you may disagree with me or agree with me or want to send me positive or negative or whatever you want to send me. Hey, I got my first death threat today. <laughs> I know it's nothing to celebrate, but now I know I'm on the right track because if people are sending me death threats and I'm just barely getting started, I mean, just barely. Uh, so uh, feel free to write me more stuff like that. Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. Oh, and one other thing to ponder before I move on to another subject. If Donald Trump had dropped out after he left the White House, went back to Mar-a-Lago, and just went back to living his normal life, stayed out of politics, and did not announce that he was going to run again in 2024, do you think any of these indictments would have happened? I don't. I think the only reason why they're happening is to try and prevent him from running again or winning again in 2024. Because again, I've said it before, the globalists see Donald Trump as the biggest threat to world governance that has been presented in decades since Ronald Reagan, basically. All right. Really quickly, I want to get to what I was going to get to at the end of last podcast, and I said I would get to in this podcast. I'm not going to be able to do it as in, in as much detail as I would like, but I'm just going to give you a little bit more to think about. The, I talked about the book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, and basically this book details a meeting 
that happened on Jekyll Island, which is off the coast of Georgia. And this happened in 1910, where the world's most influential and powerful men all gathered to create a central, worldwide centralized banking system and a world governance program. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. Well, those men were Nelson Rockefeller, Paul Warburg, Baron Rothschild, and J.P. Morgan. And this was disguised as a hunting trip. They were all going to meet at this lodge on Jekyll Island, and it was disguised as a hunting trip. I think a couple of the gentlemen even brought their guns with them to make it look like they were going on a, a duck hunting or, or you know, uh, pheasant hunting or something, hunting trip. But what happened at this meeting was they all sat down and got together and f- tried to figure out how they could basically control the entire world all as all as one government and one monetary system and what you guys don't know is in 1913 a bill was introduced to in, to create what was called the US central banking system and Everybody at that time voted it down because nobody wanted a central bank. You know, everybody looked at the Constitution and saw independence and and thought that that would allow certain people or certain oligarchs or certain groups to have too much control. If you control everyone's money, you control them. So they voted it down. Well, shortly after that, it was reintroduced as the Federal Reserve Act. And everybody thought, oh, Federal Reserve, that's nice. Oh, it's people have their stuff in reserve. Oh, and it's, it's controlled federally. Okay, that, that makes sense, Federal Reserve. It's exactly the same thing. I can tell you right now, the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor a reserve. It's a privately owned bank. And what do we pay our taxes to? The Federal Reserve. But where do we get our tax returns from? Oh, the Treasury Department. Huh. Now that's interesting. People don't realize now we are actually borrowing money to pay the interest on our national debt, which is partially owned by China and other countries, but the majority of our national debt is owned and interest is paid to the Federal Reserve. And everybody thinks that uh, Elon Musk and uh, Bill Gates and Carlos Slim from Mexico, these are the richest men in the world, not even close. The richest family in the world right now is the Rothschild family. Rockefellers and Warburgs definitely have a lot of money too, but the Rothschild family owns 80% of the world's central banks. Think about that. And I'll go into more detail as I have more time in another podcast. 
But there were a couple of other things I wanted to get to before I let you go with this podcast. First of all, uh, a uh, Wall Street Journal reporter has been arrested in Russia for espionage. Now, why do you think this happened? Well, I can tell you exactly why. Because Vladimir Putin knows he can leverage Joe Biden for another high-level prisoner. Why do I know this? Well, Joe traded WNBA basketball star Brittany Griner for the Merchant of Death. Yes, that is right. A man whose nickname is the Merchant of Death. He is responsible for thousands of people dying. And Vladimir Putin's thinking, well, if we got the merchant of death for a WNBA basketball player who was dumb enough to bring drugs into Russia, we could probably get another high value target in exchange for this Wall Street Journal reporter, right? You see, my friends, the enemy will not attack unless they sense weakness. And I went, if you go all the way back to the original post or the original podcast I made, my podcast number one was why Vladimir Putin invaded Russia or invaded Ukraine right now. There's a reason for that. Joe Biden showed how pathetically weak he is in foreign relations and national security. Because Joe Biden's not deciding how things are run in this country. He's just a puppet. And then one last thing before I go to my positive note for the week is... Bud Light has now hired Dylan Mulvaney, a trans woman and TikTok influencer with, I think, 8 million followers on TikTok. She is going to be the new spokesperson for Bud Light. Does Bud Light not know their audience? This is not going to help Bud Light at all. Uh, First of all, Dylan Mulvaney has been doing, you know, every new day as a girl, living every new day as a girl. And Bud Light sent her a special designed can with her picture on it, celebrating her 365th day as a girl. What's pathetic about this? Dylan Mulvaney is not a woman. Dylan Mulvaney is, was born male, but she's not acting like a woman or behaving like a woman. She's behaving like a little child. And I, I, I laughed really hard when a comedian, Jimmy Fela, said that uh, Bud Light sending her a special beer can with her picture on it, celebrating her 365th day as a girl, which technically means that Budweiser sent a one-year-old girl a beer. (laughs) I love that so much. I thought that was so perfect. 
So this is insane. Budweiser, you're going to lose a lot of money on this deal. I promise you. I know you want to be woke. I know that's the corporate uh, strategy now to all these corporate name brands and, and companies to go woke. But you forgot a very important phrase. And other companies have had to learn this the hard way. And Bud Light, I think you're about to learn it the same way. Once you go woke, you go broke. And then, as I always like to do, I want to end with a positive note. And this is just one small little quote, but it's so powerful. And I don't think it could be delivered by a better motivational person in history than Thomas Edison. He invented over 10,000 inventions, but what's he most known for? The light bulb and electricity. Mostly the light bulb, though. So he says, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. And like I think I said in one other podcast, So many people are running this marathon and they give up a mile before the finish line or 500 feet or 100 feet or 50 feet. Sometimes it's just that one more effort that will push you over that finish line and get you to the success that you are so desiring. So don't give up. Remember Winston Churchill, his seven-word motivational speech, never give up, never, never give up. And with that, we'll see you next time. And until then, create an amazing day.